Hello, and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, the amazing Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Cyprus today? It's very pleasant here, actually. We've we've cooled off just a little bit. England is having uh, a heat wave, mm. and traditionally, why when that happens, we, we get a little bit of cooler weather. So um, it's sort of low 30s, uh, humidity's not too bad. It's very pleasant overall. What about you? How are things in Canada? Oh, not too bad. Still smoky. We've got that uh, big fire. I was actually going to check on it. It was over 5,600 hectares the last I saw on it the other day. Wow. Uh, they're starting to get a handle on it. Uh, you know, when we talk about things like fires, uh, there was a lightning strike uh, probably about 20 minutes away from me, mm. uh, right the day after we recorded last and we're talking about these things. So yeah, uh, luckily uh, we, we noticed it because we saw the water bombers and the helicopters going past and uh, they put it out very quickly. It was just a, a smallish fire. I think it was a uh, 0.2 of a hectare, but uh, controlled out very quickly. Uh, they have an app uh, in BC, a BC wildfire app. And uh, it is one of the most interesting and absolutely scary things where you can go. There's a near me button and it puts you on a map and it shows you where all of the affected areas are. It's pretty scary being this close to the mountains and seeing all the lightning strikes. Yeah. Uh, you had some fun as well, I think, uh, right after we talked about things the last time. Yeah, we had um, we had a fire. Um, it would have been from here, probably about three kilometers, so not very far at all. Uh, it was it started in the forest, and uh, from my point of view, uh, it, it was heading east. So. Uh, it's already east of me and it was going further east uh, and it was burning towards um, a reservoir. So yeah, that burnt for, I, well, I suppose about a day and a half. Um, they, they were, they were a little bit worried about it for a while because the winds were quite high and uh, firefighters do not like high winds, but um, they got it under control. They got it out. It's, it's just terrible. I, I went and had a look at the site um, earlier today, in fact. And yeah, it's just terrible to see all that sort of burnt out land. It's just, wow, mm-hmm. nothing is left. Horrible. But yeah, nobody was hurt and it didn't come my way. Thankfully. Yeah, no kidding. I think we should stop talking about things. Well, because you never, you never know, actually. Some of the things that we talk about then suddenly come true. Uh, let, let's talk about Ikea and Apple because I'm, I, I heard that we talked about this and all of a sudden things changed. What happens to? Yes. Well, I, first of all, um, I sent an email. I managed to track down an email address for IKEA in Cyprus because they never sent me a confirmation for my order. Um, mm-hmm. So um, the attentive listener will know that they'd said that it was going to be nine uh, business uh, working, yeah, nine business days until my new desk and little sort of shelving unit arrived which I thought was a bit extreme. I mean, I, I, I think of Ikea as, you know, oh, there it is on a shelf. We'll put it in the back of a truck. Boom, it's done. Um, nine business days seemed a long time. So I just sort of sent them a note saying, um, you never sent me a confirmation. Uh, and they just sort of replied saying it's coming on Monday. Oh, okay, cool. Um, as they did. And um, I, I managed to put it all together without, without killing myself, which is great. And then just today, my monitor arm from fully arrived. Uh, you know, the, pe- the people behind the Jarvis desks. Uh, so that came all the way from, I think, Belgium, where's their European center. It's it's a monitor arm that I 
probably won't need because um, I also have a business trip now scheduled for uh, September. I'm going to see my mum, which is not business, uh, and uh, a client in Bristol. So I have a training seminar to deliver to uh, to the team, and I do a thing called a stress test, so a kind of audit of their their compliance procedures. Um, and because of that, I thought, well, I wonder whether the computer that I'm sort of thinking about might fit in my hand luggage. Um, and of course, the minute you start thinking that way, uh, there's, there's one inevitable outcome. And so in the next, ooh, I think probably two weeks from now, two or three weeks from now, uh, my mum will be um, taking delivery of a computer that she won't be able to use, doesn't know what it is. Um, but will be waiting for me to come and collect it uh, in the second half of September. So I've ordered an Apple Studio. Oh, all right. Uh, are we allowed to go nerdy and find out the tech specs, or is that going to be a surprise for when you pick it up? No, no. It's um, uh, it's fairly straightforward. Um, just the so the brief overview of the the studio is it's um, a mid range, I guess you would call it. So it's. Bigger than a Mac Mini. Call it a supersized Mac Mini. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, and so you can buy lots of configs with um, multiple CPU cores and GPU cores, which is really important if you're like Justin and you do uh, sound editing and some of the, the programs he use, uses can, can, in fact, use up 36 computers and threads. They can, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like running NASA, I think. Um, I don't do any of that stuff. I have very simple needs. So I have got the bottom of the range base uh, configuration, which I think is 10 cores, I want to say, and 18 graphics, which is way more than I'm going to need. You know, I I will have uh, a few web pages open, a couple of different productivity apps, uh, maybe some of the, the horrific Microsoft apps, That'll be me. That's kind of what I do on a computer. So I don't need massive multi-core performance. I don't know. You run Teams. I think you do need massive multi-core performance, <laughs> but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Very rarely do I run Teams, but yes, when I do, it does cause me problems. Um, so I've got the base spec on the chip, and I have just upped the memory. Uh, in the end, I went for two terabytes. You can go from... Uh, the base model is 512, and you can go all the way up to 8. Um, but, uh, my usage on this machine now on a Mac mini now is about two, five, six. So, um, I figured two terabytes would give me a bit of headroom for, I'm hoping that this will be a sort of Syracuse-esque computer. This is going to be the, the heart of my home system for several years. Nice. Yeah. Two terabytes is good. I've got uh, that on mine. It's, it's a very nice sweet spot to be in. Uh, how much RAM did you put into it? 16, 24? Uh, no, they come standard as 32. Oh, 32. Lovely. Yeah. The studio comes as 32 and you can up it as far as 64 if you really want to. But again, I don't think I'm going to exercise the, I don't think I really exercise 16 very much. So 32 is not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I I'm impressed that there is a fast delivery on this. Cause when I last looked at the studio before convincing myself largely because of the weight that, you know what, I'm happy with my systems the way they are. Um, I looked at it and it was a horrendous sort of two to three month wait. I think it was a, about a 
a 10 week wait mm-hmm. and I'm just, if I'm dropping down sort of seven, $8,000, I want to make sure that I, I, I get that instant gratification. Um, now I know that you have a little bit of a time because you're not going back to the UK until September, mm. but still, um, September is sort of four to six weeks away kind of thing rather yeah. than, uh, you know, 10, 10 to 12 weeks that I was looking at when they first came out. So, uh, this is pretty quick shipping if your mom's getting it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. She's getting it. Uh, I believe in, uh, I think it's from the 9th of September something like that. So it's probably around about that five, six week, uh, spot that you're talking about. Um, I mean, when you compare that to Cyprus, where they told me to expect 25 weeks, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's a significant difference. Um, and the, I did check with, uh, with Apple. I tried a couple of different specs just to see if it made much difference and it didn't. So mm-hmm. if I'd wanted more memory, it would have taken the same amount of time if I'd wanted less, cause I was also considering one terabyte because Apple overcharges so much for its memory, but there you go. And a fixed machine like that, it's uh, not as much of a concern to throw a couple of physical drives strapped to the back of your monitor or something. Sure, 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 sure. Underside of your, underside of your desk. Are you going to leave this thing on your desk? Because I know you're doing a whole lot of making your desks minimalized and pretty and all the rest of that. And now you're going to have this, well, kind of large, ugly, squarish box, box. on your desk mm. what are you gonna do with that you're gonna leave it there uh, maybe i mean as a practice i've got my mini on the desk now so um it, it's like it's sort of i think it's two and a half minis stack is, is what it looks like um so that sits in the space underneath the monitors um it's not the end of the world it's a, I say it's a silver box um i could do a couple of things one i have a shelving unit quite close to me so i could put the box over on the shelving unit and then run the cables across um and given that the cables are running across anyway to go to the power that's maybe not a bad thing or i could do what i know some inventive people have done and they've sort of built an enclosure under the desk that you can slip the thing into mm-hmm. um I, uh, when i say i could do that that would involve me paying someone else to do that um but i'm not sure yet i'm not sure i will to start with i'm thinking it'll go on the desk because it's my digital desk so it has digital stuff on it and that doesn't really offend me too much um i have a nice little analog desk where i can so sit down and put pens and i've got more space to play with let's put that way are you enjoying the uh multi-desk setup life um yeah because i've got this hand crank um standing desk um I just never, I never uh, crank it. So it's either at standing or it's at sitting. Um, It's now set to stand. So if I'm doing anything on the computer, I'm standing. And I just have a very cheap and cheerful, uh, it's an Alex desk from Ikea, which cost me uh, just over a hundred euros. And it's it's really small, but it's perfect just to sit down and and write a journal ad or write a letter. uh, And it allows me to alternate between standing and sitting. I think, Standing all day is is hard work. <laughs> we may get to later, but uh, we may do that. Uh, cool. Uh, anything else uh, you wanted to bring up as follow up? Uh, well, yeah, my sort of toing and froing. Um, we we spoke uh, last week about I was being good and I'd um, I'd not been drinking all week. Uh, for so August, I didn't drink until Tuesday last when I went out 
for a quiet's drink with 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 the boys, Justin. You remember those? Mm. And I had a nice iced coffee, and I sat there as the sun was beginning to set, and I thought, oh, you know, life could be a lot worse. Uh, I quite enjoy those little quiet moments. I was there a little bit early, you know, just there on my own. I thought, this is great. And then my intention was to have a, you know, a moderate, quiet evening out, um, but just, you know, allowing myself to have a drink. So about a bottle and a half of wine later, <laughs> I... I decided that buying another bottle of wine would would really just be, you know, that would be excessive. But large brandies, yes, I can't see why I shouldn't have any of those. So um, I just I just woke up going, uh, really, what, why, why? And apparently there's some science behind why. I won't bore everybody with it, but um, I I was alcohol-free for the whole of 2020. And that was a challenge. It was called one year, no beer, just to take the year off. And you picked the best year out of all of the recent memory to say, you know what? I'm just not going to drink this year. Nothing's happening. It's fine. <laughs> trust me. Well, um, I, I said actually to, to, um, to my wife at the time, because that was when her back, uh, sort of gave out and we had to, you know, get a wheelchair into hospital and ambulances and all that sort of stuff. And so I was doing a lot of, um, sort of nursing, which is. <laughs> not my natural forte, I have to say. Uh, and I remember saying to her a couple of times during that year, thank heavens that I'd stopped drinking because I would not be able to cope with this if I was drinking. Um, and so in 2021, I decided to sort of go back to drinking and I'm doing air quotes here, moderately. Um, I, I just, I just don't do moderates. I, I, I really, really struggle being moderate. And, uh, I just sort of this woke up and thought, look, um, 2020 was good. 2021 was less good. I preferred being alcohol free. So I'm just going to go alcohol free. I'm just not going to drink. Um, which is, you know, easy thing to say. It's a slightly harder thing to achieve because now I have to go through the whole social thing again, where, um, you know, your, your favorite bars, your favorite restaurants, your favorite people, go, you're not drinking. What's the matter? What's happened? Yeah, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just choosing not to not to drink alcohol. Oh, are you sure? Is he all right? Has something happened? It's just, it's really weird. Um, but the way I like to think of it is, I sometimes tend to people and say, "Well, actually, I found that um, I can't moderate carrots. If I have one carrot, I have to have another carrot." And that, frankly, there are just too many carrots in my life, so. I'm I'm gonna go carrot free, and people look at you. And go, what are you on about? And you say, well, why is that any different from going alcohol free? Just just chill. It's fine. I'm okay. Um, you don't need to have some sort of massive event to decide that drinking alcohol isn't for you at the minute. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some time off and you know lose some weight, get rid of that COVID weight, get get a bit more into shape, and then you know we, we'll reconsider. Wow, it's uh hmm. Wow, what. A Lifestyle change. What are we going to talk about all, all every week, Stu? Oh, but alcohol-free beer, I guess. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, we had guests in town last week. And uh, one of the things that guests do when they come up to wine country is they want to drink wine. They want to go out for tastings. They want to drink bottles of wine. They want to raid my collection for nice wines and try them. And... Uh, I think I, I 
sent Stu a screenshot of my app that was screaming at me by the end of the week that told me I was <laughs> 10 drinks over my limit for last week, uh, which is awful. And I kind of looked at it this week and I said, okay, uh, you know, how am I going to pare that down a little bit? But uh, stopping drinking would be hard, especially in the summer when everybody's up here uh, doing the wine thing and sure. you know, the wine clubs and all that. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure I have uh, Stu's uh, constitution to be able to say, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but we, we shall see. I, I, I enjoy a glass of wine or a nice, well, as, as Stu found out, large brandy the other day. That's a good choice rather than that extra bottle of wine. But mm. <laughs> I didn't say one large brandy. <laughs> Uh, that's it. Moderation is hard. Abstinence is easy. <laughs> yeah, that's when you get to the bottom of it. To make one decision once when sober is so much easier than making a series of decisions throughout several different evenings. That's what I find. Cool. Um, I got all my pens in the mail, Stu. Oh, good man. Well done, you. That's, that's, um, there was a lot. There was a lot. There were packages. I, I had to make several trips because I had to go out and buy um, envelopes and packaging stuff, some bubbly wrap stuff so that I can, I could wrap it all up so it gets there safely. Um, first off, hats off to Claire at Nero's Notes. She does an amazing packing job. And until I actually had to uh, send things out, I didn't realize just how much work that is to wrap everything individually. Uh, so she does a beautiful job. It looks great. Um, the stuff that I sent out does not look anything as nearly as good. It it has a, uh, well, it has my thumb marks all over it, literally, um, you know, in the tape and yeah, <laughs> but they, they are out. Uh, and I, I was thinking about that as I was lining up and getting complained at by the uh, Canada Post worker. Um, she was kind enough to rip off this thing off the pad of paper and give it to me and tell me that I'm supposed to actually do all of the pre-customs work, um, at home on a computer and then take it into them. Yeah. Uh, because she had to then, uh, now I, I, I ship so little stuff that the last time I went in, uh, I think they had a little sticker that you hand wrote what was in it and the value and a gift and mm -hmm. signed it and stick it on there. No, it's all computerized now. It's got names, my name, their name, addresses, val. Oh, it's, it was way too much faffing about. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so I, I showed up with this large bag full of uh, envelopes full of pens, and they were kind of grumpy at me. Uh, but I, I did come to the conclusion that we're doing podcasting wrong, Stu. What's that? We're supposed to sell pillows and underpants and men's shaving uh, tackle and stuff like that and earn money. Oh. Not spend it. Oh. I, I don't know. There's something wrong on that. I'm not sure what we're doing here. Well, look, we're in the right ballpark. We can, we can, we can work at this. We'll get better, I'm sure. Uh, that's fine. No, it was, it, was, it was actually lovely to do this. I, I mean, it's not terribly expensive pens going out to everybody, especially as I was getting down uh, the list of people that came in, sort of it was a first come, first serve. And, uh, you know, everybody got a little bit of something, though. I'm sure I'm going to have some questions of what the heck is this? They got some vintage stuff in there. Cool. Uh, some vintage pencil stuff and uh, some Japanese pencils that are a little hard to get. I threw one of those in because... It's just kind of neat to get stuff. So yeah. anyway, I, I hope everybody gets that. Uh, hopefully over the, by the time this comes out, I'm hoping you will have got most of those, but, uh, it was, it was fun exercise, uh, and expensive. So I'm not going to do that again in a hurry. 
<laughs> you can still you can still apply for a European pen if you're in Europe. You can apply for a European pen. Mm. Uh, so follow up, um, friend of the show Lisa. We were talking about our social media woes. My social media media woes the other day, uh, grumping about Instagram changing stuff. And I've uh, swapped a couple of emails with Lisa. She's uh, very helpful. She suggested Vero.co as an alternative to some of the social apps. And, uh, it was funny. I downloaded the app. They've got a Mac app now and went to try it. And my one password came and said, you have an account here. So I signed into it and well, uh, I had, I guess when it first came out, I had signed up and shook my head and go, I don't get it. Um, and I still don't really get it. I, I went to post a picture of it and it said, this won't be shown to anybody. You have zero followers. It's like, well, how do I get followers without posting something? I, I felt like I was in a box sort of shouting at myself. Mm. It's, I mean, it's very quiet there, isn't it? I mean, I, like you, I signed up at the beginning. Um, I sort of followed a couple of hashtags, uh, and it was definitely very photography minded. So there, you know, people with sort of, you know, big cameras and uh, knowledge, experience, talents, that sort of thing. Um, and less sort of normal people, if I can say that. Um, and I just had another little look around sort of this week when you, when you mentioned it. And again, it's, um, yeah, it, it seems a bit sort of empty. Mm. Now the, the danger for this, for me, is it really is a good photo sharing app for professional photography. Mm. I have backpacks full of big cameras and all the lenses. I have a, stu a studio wrapped up in one of my, uh, closets here, you know, mm. backdrops and studio lights and you name it. I've got everything, uh, because I used to have a studio and it really reminded me of, uh, there was a, a photo sharing service that I was on in the early two thousands called Fotkey. And that was, it, it, it was a great place to drop stuff, link it out, share it on the internet. Uh, but they had a very photography minded culture. They had weekly mm -hmm. competitions and stuff like that. And what I remember doing was shooting specifically for competitions. And that changes the way that I am using photography at the moment. Really what I'm looking for is a way to share things that are of interest to me, not necessarily stuff that I'm going out with my big camera and that I'm sure. editing and taking out all the artifacts. And, you know, I, I don't want to spend an hour editing a photo to put it up there to make it perfect, to post it online. And that's the quality that is up there at uh, Vero. Mm. Um, and you know, there's a couple of other places, 500 PX is a bit like that as well. Uh, and I just don't think I'm quite there in my life. I want to take things that usually as I'm walking along with my iPhone in my pocket, I'll pull it out and I'll take a picture and there we go. That's all it is. I'll maybe do a little bit of light edit on it because I just can't leave some things alone because of my background, but I, I, I could get into a very uh, dark habit where that would become another hobby. Sure. And we've talked about, uh, you know, whether there's a time and a place I'm just not there right now. So uh, that one was interesting. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, and I kind of shared my concerns with that to Lisa and she also mentioned micro dot blog as an option. 
And I took a quick look at it. And again, I think you get into network effects of social media and discoverability and all the rest of that. And I was kind of curious to have you used micro dot blog as an option because both you and I have our own blogs, yep. which I'm not quite sure what the advantage of a micro dot blog would be unless it was a way for network effect discovery. Um, so I'm just curious, have, have you tried it, used it? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I did. I used it for a while. Um, I wasn't sure whether to, uh, have a sort of separate, uh, blog, uh, which I did at micro.blog or to link to my, my blog because micro.blog sort of became dot blog. There was less micro about it. Um, uh, there are some nice people there. Um, and I sort of accidentally found some, um, and it's not quite as interactive as, as, you know, there are no likes or anything like that. So it's not as interactive as Twitter. It's, um, it's higher investment. You need to, uh, invest more time in commenting back to people and, uh, yeah, but it didn't quite stick for me. I think I was where you are i'm just like yeah this is kind of cool but what's it for i'm not not 100 sure it's a bit like that hey um function where you can hey world hey world it's called where you just you know put this post out and people can can go find it great have you ever been to a active hey world um internet address i don't think i've ever been to a website that is hey world i'm just thinking about that now I've been to, um, you know, uh, DHH has put a post out and I've clicked on it and, you know, gone to it. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just like a sort of PDF free floating sort of thing. Mm. All right. So, uh, the, the discovery still continues. Mm. Network effect is really, uh, you know, part of that is a big thing. Um, you know, trying to find where, where the people are. And, you know, if you go for anything like Vero or micro.blog, um, getting people to show up there as well, you know, uh, friends and family that you, you want to actually interact with. That's kind of what Instagram for me was a, a fairly narrowly curated list of people that, you know, I want to share what I'm doing and let them see and see what they're doing as well. And seeing what they're doing is the bigger problem. It's easy enough to post on any of these, but you know, I, I want people to be able to see if they're interested in it. And I really want to be able to see what they're doing and all the craft, the, the problem that I have with most of the uh, apps at the moment, or most of the social media in general is that discoverability is so hard. You know, they, they're so busy trying to throw you algorithmic crap that you don't get the, the stuff that you actually want to see. I want to see my sister's kids uh, and what cute things they're doing. I want to see what my friends are having for lunch, because you know what, that actually is of interest to me. And I don't want to get into full production mode of videos and TikTok, and yeah, it's, it's a tough one. So I will still do keep looking, I guess. Indeed. Speaking of interesting things, cause we're there, um, Raph. W sent a message about a new tool that I hadn't heard of. Um, he was sent to some very nice comments. Uh, he's an obsidian user and was 
really interested in our podcast about Notes PKM systems. Um, but he was telling us about a new product that's out, uh, which is a collaboration of Lamy and a company called Neo Labs. And I'd never heard of it. It's a Lamy notebook with a special encoding in it that's picked up by a Safari, Lamy Safari digital pen. Um, so it then digitizes your handwriting, which I thought was really cool. And I kind of went back and said, I don't know, my handwriting's not that good. And Raf was really kind. He actually sent me a handwritten that he had done. He'd actually taken a, a little video of it and showed me where the translation was. And it was actually surprisingly good. I think there was one or two small little typos that come with the challenges of handwriting, but it was surprisingly good. Um, so I'm really kind of interested in this. I'm, I'm contemplating. It's an expensive try. Um, I think it's about 200 bucks US. Um, I couldn't find anybody in Canada that had this in stock. So, or even had it listed to be honest. Uh, so I, I may order it from the States, but then I get into taxes and shipping and all of that stuff. So it gets a little pricey, mm -hmm. uh, but I was wondering, Stu, have you seen this before? Have you heard anything about it? Have you considered trying it or anything like that? Uh, not the Lamy one. Uh, I do own, I have no idea where, uh, the Moleskine equivalent. So uh, Moleskine were doing this I'm certainly before I left the UK. So that's going to be five years ago um, uh, with smart notebooks and uh, a sort of uh, hybrid digital pen, analog pen thing. Um, I sent you a link, I think, on, on the email. Uh, it's it's a, an odd looking thing. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the um, retractable nib pen. The vanishing point. Yes, indeed. Um, and it was quite awkward to write with, I found. Ah. Uh, but it kind of works. You know, it, I mean, it, it, it does what it says on the tin. Um, I never took to it. I just, it just didn't really, because for, for me, a lot of the analog pleasure is that, is that writing experience. And it wasn't a very good writing experience, mm -hmm. but that was a long time ago. So, you know, I think this is the, the big sort of uh, threshold for these guys. That's what they're most interested in. People like Lamy and Molskin. I mean, Molskin has a, a big studio, uh, digital studio now. So they do a calendar app called time page. They have a, um, sort of, um, mental health stroke journaling app called journey. Um, they have a task manager called Actions uh, with a sort of very analog aesthetic. Um, it's, it's interesting, this sort of threshold and, you know, where people are going to take it. But uh, no, I haven't looked at the Lamy. I will, I will have a little look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dangerous thing. I tried the, remember the White Lines Lich term was doing a White Lines notebook for a while. Which yeah, yeah. was a, a, an OCR kind of app. Uh, you basically wrote on this book, you took a picture of it, and then you could OCR it. And again, I probably haven't tried that for, I would say five, six years, something like that. Um, and it was, it didn't, it didn't stick with me. Let's put it that way. The nice thing about that was that it was, 
a regular Leuchtturm notebook, you used your own choice of ink. Uh, and the way that it was designed, it would then scan your stuff. I'm going to have to see if there's updates to that and try that again, uh, because I'm kind of curious now. There's a company called White Lines, actually, which is a Swedish uh, company. We we used to stock their stuff at um, at Nero's, and they um, came up with, with the patented idea of white line paper, so there was no sort of um it was a kind of a gray paper with with white lines on it um and then they went down the um sort of digital app line as well and we sort of moved away from them in nearest because we weren't you know doing that sort of thing we were doing the analog thing but yeah it's you know there's a lot of people working around this area which makes you think that you know somebody is going to do something at some point it's going to click when they get it right i'm sure it will be a good seller Mm -hmm. um all right cool let's talk about our tool of the week Stu. what what is your tool ah. of the week? you've already kind of mentioned this i think yeah for sure for me it's uh the idea of having two desks um one that i'm talking at now my digital desk and then just behind me a uh analog desk so this one is standing and the analog one is sitting i just find that sort of change of context uh kind of refreshing novel i guess what about you what's your tool of the week well after we talked about you doing the different desk thing last week, uh, I, I got back to the little buttons on the side of my desk, the ones that make it go up and down. Uh, and I've, I've kind of been moving up and down and standing and sitting. I have a anti-fatigue mat that's kind of under my desk. And then I kick my chair out, pull that, stand on that. Um, I'm not sure if it was because I was working at my standing desk all day the other day uh, and was using a particularly, I had a heavy number crunching day and I, my, my RSI in my wrist started acting up a little bit. I'm not sure if it's coincidence, but uh, yesterday I, I sat back down and it's feeling a little bit better today. So I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Uh, the dog was mm. really enjoying the fact that uh, I had stood up uh, because she then got to sleep on my chair looking at me all day long. <laughs> oh, there you go. So it was, it was a good thing. Um, though I do have the sit down standing or the sit down desk right behind me as well. If I do want to do that, uh, that is um, a hundred year old desk that I have. It's a, a solid oak uh, roll top desk and I could sit down there. It's, it's not a nice little desk like yours, Stu. It's, it's a big wide desk with all kinds of little cubby holes in there. Uh, and you know, I just, I just love the fact that people have been sitting writing at this desk for a hundred years. You can just imagine the thoughts that have been there. So I, I do love the analog and digital desk as well. And you know, standing desk kind of neat too. Mm. I, I like it. So uh, thank you to that. You gave me you gave me a choice of things to think about. Good. What are you writing with? Uh, I am well now at my digital desk. Um, I've sort of permitted myself to go away from fountain pens. So up here, um, I am using a trio, no less, of uh, Baron Fig Squires. So um, I've got the uh, erasable Squire or erasable X Baron Fig, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of done as a kind of quasi pencil so it's a yellow barrel with a little pink knock um very cool very nice it's got a lovely blue ink in it that's my sort of grown-up pen 
Then I have uh, Mysterium, which has got a green refill. And uh, Harry Marks, friend of the show, um, wrote a short story that sort of accompanied that uh, edition. So I've got a connection to it. I kind of like it. That's orange. It's bright orange. Ooh, Very cool. Nice. And then um, the editor, which is a uh, which is a red pen. It's for you know editing your drafts and all that sort of stuff, which so plays to my sort of uh, aspirations to be a award winning novelist. Um, so I have those three there that I can reach out. They work really well on the analog cards, which I also have up here, um, which are not exactly fountain pen friendly. So, uh, and they're just great for grabbing and making a quick note, which is what I would only really need to do at a digital desk. My fountain pens, uh, same rotation as before, um, are all down on, on the sitting desk. So I have down there, I've got my Pilot Custom 83, my Sailors, and uh, a pencil or two. Wow. You got all the pens out. Yeah, I've got a lot of pens out. Um, what about you? What are you up to? All right. So, so I'm on I'm on the big, big expensive one this week. Um, I broke out a Bic Crystal Ballpoint, uh-huh. the orange one with the little blue cap. Now, just because it's me and I'm picky, uh, I actually ordered Bic Crystals from Asia. Because, well, that's how I roll. Uh, but seriously, I wanted the fine nib. And in North America, they have only basically a 1.0, which they call a medium, which I call a broad. The fine is absolutely lovely. I dug it out when I was organizing the pens to ship. And uh, since then, it's funny because it's sitting with my really fancy, expensive fountain pens on my desk. And there's this is, uh, you know, 20 cent uh, Bic Easy Glide in fine sitting there as well. I just love it. I, I forgot how much I loved just a simple ballpoint disposable pen. It's weird that, you know, when it comes down to, you know, Stu and I talk about our expensive pens. And at the end of the day, it is the writing experience, which is. Eh, why I named my website right experience, but it is the writing experience that gets me excited. You know, I've, I was so excited for this silly little ballpoint. So anyway, I do have a link to a blog I wrote uh, about it uh, with some writing samples. Anybody wants to see it, but it's pretty cool. I still have my same fountain pens currently linked. I haven't used those excessively, so I haven't had any changes, but I'm, I'm enjoying the simple things in life, Stu. Well, why not? Why not indeed? Now then, talking of simple things, mm. how do you manage calendars? Oh, very simply. I don't. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, managing calendars. So we've we've talked in the last couple of episodes about some of the big things that we use. Managing calendars is, I think, one of the biggest things that a lot of us use, particularly in this era of shared calendars. Um, Stu, do you want to tell me how you're using your complicated, complicated calendars? Because I think you use them more extensively than I do. Uh, So let's start from the top and then I'll kind of get into what I'm using. And I think it's a little simple. Okay. All right. So, um, my sort of my fundamental calendars are uh, i have one called sl that's me uh i have one called ml that's uh, the current mrs lennon 
Uh, and then I have a couple of shared calendars and a couple of specialist calendars. So um, I play golf in a society. We call ourselves the Pretenders. Uh, so we have a shared calendar there for all the events. Um, I'm on the organising committee, as you might expect. Um, and so one of the things I have to do is put together the the season and what's going to be played when and all that sort of stuff. So there's a shared calendar. Uh, that is the bane of my life because most of my uh, golfing friends are a little bit older, perhaps not as IT literate uh, as as people I'm used to working with. And so either they never, ever look at the calendar uh, because they've got no idea how to subscribe to it or to add it to their devices, or they add it to their devices and then go, oh, I'm not coming to that event because I'm going to go and drink beer or something. So uh, they then delete the event uh, from the shared calendar, <laughs> uh, which is great. I get a little notification and then I just go and put it back and send them a little note saying, <laughs> yes. Yes, we have another mechanism for saying whether you're attending or not. Don't touch the calendar or I'll kill you. Uh, but I, I could just change that. It's just that the person that keeps doing it is the chairman, so I have to be mm. circumspect. I also use um, a, a shared calendar called TripIt. Um, it's, uh, that's a service. It's a web service uh, for traveling. So it uh, creates itineraries. Um, so whenever I have a booking, uh, whether that be a hotel or a plane, I forward it to plans at tripit.com and it builds an itinerary for me with all of the right information in the right place, sits on an app on my phone. And so when I'm traveling, I've got everything to hand, whether that be the car hire number, you know, everything is all there. Uh, it's a paid service, but, uh, I love it. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of it. So in, in SL, that is shared with, um, with my wife. So she, she gets access to that. Um, and ML is her calendar shared with me. Uh, so I try and, um, <laughs> I think we share a frustration here. I try and, and say to my wife, look, put things in there that are relevant to me. So, uh, you know, if you need me to be doing something or you need me to be aware that you are somewhere, then put it in there. I don't necessarily need all the detail of, um, you know, what you might be hoping to do. And she also has the, she, she aspirationally calendars. So, so she'll say, um, that she wants to walk every Tuesday. And so she'll put that in the calendar as a repeating event that goes on until the end of time. Mm. Uh, and then after about three weeks, she stops doing that, but leaves it in the calendar. Uh, we had a food service that, that delivers. And uh, I think for every Tuesday and Friday, there is an entry into that calendar, even though we haven't had a delivery for two months. Stuff like that. Because I, I, I like, if possible, to try and keep the calendar view quite simple because I'm a simple child. Um, then I also have just little ones like I have my MBA calendar. So when my deadlines are for courses and all that sort of good jazz, I have a thing called a log calendar. This is a Merlin man concept where, um, I have a terrible memory. Now this could be cause I'm getting old, but I think it's more likely that I just don't afford, um, the space in my brain to remember things that don't matter as far as I'm concerned. So, um, uh, we have a water filter system that that you fill up with 20 kilo bags of salt. So I put a big bag of salt in there, two or three of those. Um, and I just need to keep it topped up. So uh, what I do is when I've put some salt in there, I put that in the calendar so that 
when I go, oh, have I put salt in the thing? I can just look it up and it will show me when I last did it. Oh, Stu, Stu, you're killing me with this one, but that's okay. We'll carry on talking. <laughs> we'll carry on talking. It's, uh, it's a calendar. It's not a task because I'm not looking to say, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I just want to know when am I doing it? How often do I do it? And the best way for me to work it out is to just look at my log. Mm-hmm. The task one that I know gives, gives Justin the willies um, is because of that famous incident where I forgot to insure my cars, those things I put into a little calendar called tasks. Uh, those are sort of annual events. Uh, that's the only thing. I'm trying to think if anything else goes in there. No, that's pretty much it. Because I do have a, a, a task manager. My problem with a task manager is that I'm an occasional task manager user. So I don't use it firmly all the time. Uh, I drift in and out of it. And if you've drifted out of it when you're supposed to be paying your car insurance, then you end up getting fined. So so that's what I try. Um, I'm sure Justin is going to say, well, just use your task manager, you idiot. Which is a fair point. However, this little task calendar is my backup plan. Um, and that's kind of it for me. That's that's broadly what I use. Um, I'm using BusyCal on my Macs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sort of souped-up version of uh, iCal. I did at one stage use Fantastical because you know oh, it's just amazing and it's brilliant. And then sort of sort of looked at it and went, well, actually, it's not that different from any other calendar. It's just got nice entry and it's expensive. Yeah, I'm not sure I wanted to pay whatever it was, forty pounds a year or something for it. So, uh, oh, and on iOS, I just use the you know the baked in calendar app. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember using the Google Calendar app and thinking, wow, this is a really good app. Even on iOS, it was a great app. Uh, but it's a Google Calendar, so it's made by Google. It's owned by Google. Hmm. Yes. Mm. Do you have to do any shared work calendars like with? any of the jobby job stuff, uh, do you have access to anything like that? Or are you like me and just kind of ignore that? Uh, yeah, I have, I have access. People have access to my calendar. Um, they, they kept setting up meetings and then getting really upset that they didn't come. Um, and I just said, well, it's my time. If you want my time, ask me for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you book it, I'll just ignore you. Um, which is, I appreciate a privileged position to be in. <laughs> they all went, yeah, just don't go to the old man's calendar. He doesn't like it. Sorry. <laughs> oh boy. We are so alike in some ways. So, okay. I'll just give you a little rundown of what I'm uh, doing and, and then I'll uh, berate Stu a little bit more for his uh, task manager failures. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm using Fantastical. It's subscription based. I do kind of like the interface. Um, it's, I'm not sure it's worth the money, but, uh, you know, again, we talk about our privilege and the ability to do stuff like that. I kind of like having that. I've got that set up on multiple computers and yep. it works well for managing it. I'm not a huge calendar focused person. Um, as Stu and I have already talked about a little bit, uh, most of the things that belong in a calendar for me that are actionable items belong and live in my task manager. And I keep a lot of that stuff out of there. Uh, for me, calendars are really events that I want to, uh, follow. So 
I've within within sort of what we've got. Uh, I have a proposals calendar, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out how this works. So one of the reasons that I actually uh, subscribe to Fantastical is they have a proposals, so I can give somebody a link and allow them to book a time with me. The problem with that is because I don't use the calendar extensively, I just put things that I actually have to do in there. Mm. Um, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge because I'm giving somebody a lot more of an open day than I intend to. Yep. So rather than just giving them, you can meet me at two o'clock, two thirty, or three o'clock. All of a sudden now I've got to put in time blocks for me to cover up the times of the day that I don't want somebody to have access to. Sure. So that's a, that's a little bit awkward and I haven't really got as much use out of that as I would like it. I'd like to have, but it is there something in the back of my mind. Um, work, we use shared Google calendars likes to, I'm privileged enough not to use them. Um, if you want to get a hold of me and schedule a meeting, uh, talk to me directly. Yes, it may not be as productive in terms of going back and forth, but honestly, most of the people that I am working with, uh, well, uh, the, it's a small group that I'm communicating with. It's easier to do it. Let's set up a time back and forth on one email, two emails this time, this time, or this time, which one works, pick it, boom, done. I don't want to have the point, and I'm in a very privileged position of not having somebody else write on my calendar. Sure. Uh, and just, you know, talking about the proposals part, if I was in that situation, I'd be blocking off my focus time as time for me first, and then allowing my public calendar to sort of be there for people if they have to do that. So if you're in a, if you're in an operation that does use God awful shared Microsoft calendars and people can schedule meetings, block off your time. You know, if you need two hours in the morning, don't take a meet, you know, block off every morning until 10 30, 11 o'clock. And then you yeah. can have your meetings after that. You know, there are ways sure. around that. I don't have to do that luckily, but I've, I've have worked in places like that in the past. Um, you just, you know, unfortunately that does come with a little bit of privilege and seniority in an organization. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not as easy to do that as you'd like. Uh, I have a family calendar, Sue. Mm. My family calendar is, well, it's my shared nightmare. My, my better half loves the calendar. And, and she's one of those people that, uh, she puts everything in the calendar. Mrs. L would be uh, proud of what uh, my wife puts into the calendar. Um, it is also her task list and she also removes things that didn't happen for whatever reason. And, and the one thing that I've never figured out is a button for me to ignore it. Uh, because every time she changes something and she changes a lot, I get the little notification that I have to click on and say, okay, I've acknowledged this because it's on a shared calendar. And that drives me nuts. I can tell when she's sort of bored at home, sitting there on the couch 
And she goes through the calendar. She, okay, I did this. Oh, I didn't do this. I did this. Oh, I've got to do this. And I end up with, you know, this, this list of red dots. Calendars, because I have so few things in them, are one of those things that do I, I do allow notifications on. And there are some days that it just drives me absolutely nutty. Um, there's times and places for it. It's good. But some days, oh my gosh, I'm not sure what the best way to handle that is. If anybody has ideas uh, without uh, causing a divorce, please let me know. Um, because, <laughs> um, you know, gentle coaching sometimes works, not always. Uh, I have, what other context do I have? I have the calendar default, uh, which I use for some personal stuff. I have a home-based, a home context base. So this is one that I inherited from, well, years ago when I was using context bases. Now I'm home all the time, so it really doesn't make a big deal of it. Um, but I'm that kind of nerd that I have all of the Formula One race schedules in there which include sort of the televised qualifying and practices. So on a, any, on a given weekend of a race, I have uh, four or five different entries in there that I can actually see, which is really good because I get up in the morning and I watch those races and the qualifying and some of the practices. Uh, so it's great that I have that reminder in there. And, and then the one thing, because again, I work for an organization, I have a shared calendar for public holidays in Canada. That way I can actually see when I'm not supposed to be working and when everybody else isn't going to be in the office. So, you know, it's one of those things when you work from home, you don't really think about long weekends the same way that you used to. You kind of forget. So it's useful to have. Um, but yeah, as I said, my calendar is largely for events and recurring appointments that I have a specific time on. I've got one in there today. After we finish recording, I got to take my truck in and get that serviced. So that's on there. I've got, uh, the, the dog is at the groomers at 1230 today. So that is actually in there. It is something where I physically have to be there. And, and that's kind of important for me and just how I do that. I don't have any tasks. My process for my calendar. So I'm not sure what Stu's is, but I actually review mine weekly. And then based on the information in that, I bring that into my daily and weekly analog planning cards and setup. Um, do you run your calendar over the week as a to-do list or do you bring it into a sort of a, uh, an analog part, Stu? What's, what's your process for, for looking at calendars? Uh, it's similar to yours, but uh, daily. So I will. Uh, start of the day um, when I pull out my my analog card just to you know pr priority task etc. I'll have a quick look at the calendar. I'll look a couple of days forward. Is there anything coming up? Blah blah blah. Uh, and then that's kind of it. Um, and then as you say, I'll I'll be notified that my wife is getting her nails done and um, it's not not going to be at nine. It's going to be at nine thirty or whatever. Um, and I just sort of huff and <laughs> accept and move on. Ah, so you have no solution either. <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I have calendar sets. And so if I'm feeling really switched on, I can, you know, turn sets on so that only certain calendars are visible, uh, but that's, that's just way too much overhead for what, as you say, is, is not really a huge part of my working day. I mean, I, about 10 years ago, uh, had a look at the things like proposals and, um, you know, 
Calendly and people booking your time. Um, and, you know, I would have members of staff booking a 30 minute meeting because they want to ask me a question. <laughs> Whereas before that, they would ask me the question. Uh, and, you know, uh, we had a big sign done for the office that we put up in the middle of the office saying, Board of Work, call a meeting. It, uh, you know, 99% of the time you don't need meetings. Like in, in my never humble opinion. So if, if people are looking for, for, for guidance from me, great. Ask me the question. I will answer it. Uh, if people want an opinion that in more depth, great, fine. I can give you a response to an email. If there's something that we need to meet and discuss because you want to go great, that's cool, but let's do this in sort of, you know, 15 minute increments, not let's book 30 minutes or let's book an hour. Uh, so that I can come and ask you a question and then we can sit down and talk about what we did the weekend. It's just not a great way to use my time. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've sort of stuck with that and, you know, people say, oh, can we have a meeting for sure? What it's, it's, the, it's the old tried and tested one. Great. What do you want to drop me a line with the agenda? Just a few points on it. So I know what we're going to try and cover and stuff. And then I'll come back to you with some slots in my calendar. And then when the email comes through, I go, this is the answer to that. That's the answer to this. This is none of your business. Go away. <laughs> and the joys of privilege too. the joys of privilege exactly um but you know people soon get the idea and i also turn around to them and say uh that's your decision mm -hmm. you know that uh, try and use it to empower people and give them the confidence and you know i i, I just think meetings are overused particularly you know sort of pandemic times it's it's become even more of a problem now mm. yeah zoom for everything yeah. And, and just because, you know, working from home, you don't want to actually have to put on a shirt and pretend you're actually looking serious. <laughs> yeah. I have a shirt hanging up in the office for those, for those occasions. Mm. Uh, I actually have to run upstairs. Uh, Cause I was just thinking about that. I have a closet down here and I don't have any shirts in it. I got t-shirts in it, but you know, that's just uh, which podcast t-shirt am I going to wear today? That's a whole different story. Just go out there and get yourself a zoom shirt. That's all you need. Yeah, I, I don't use Zoom very often, so I, I'm happy not to use Zoom. <sighs> anyway, um, do you do you do any sort of weekly planning review or anything like that? And how do you how do you lay it out? Uh, weekly planning will be um, analog system, so probably just in a notebook. I'll do some thinking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, thinking with a pen, mm -hmm. um, and you know, in a normal week. I mean, I haven't played golf now for. Uh, about a month because of my my leg problem so um at the moment what i'm discovering is that i have a huge amount more time at the moment than i usually do um which is great it's, it's allowed me to get some stuff done but when i'm sort of normally looking at a week i i have to sort of factor in that you know half a day i'm at a golf course Oop, okay so i'm not going to get much done on on monday because i'm playing golf in the morning uh and so i'll just then look at those sort of big block things and say all right, presentation for that client, I have to do Tuesday. Uh, discussion with that client, I'll schedule for Friday. That type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then once I actually get to scheduling something, I'll put it in the calendar. But as you say, I won't put in the time blocks on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do a weekly layout. And I've started doing that this year, uh, mostly because I do a little bit of block scheduling for things that I want to do. But I do it all on paper. I have a Leutsch term. What am I using at the moment? Oh, it's the Bullet Journal 2, which I'm just about done with, actually. I've got like, uh, oh, maybe half a dozen pages left at the end of it. Cool. 
Um, but what I do is I do a columnar list. Uh, the first one is tasks that I need to do, things that go in there sort of that need to get figured out during the week. And then over a two page spread, I have each of my five days and I can kind of block time those big things that I want to do. So if I have things like on a Thursday morning, I have a block for uh, stationary adjacent, for example, uh -huh. um, and other, other things that go in there, they go in as big blocks. Then I can plan my sort of big tasks as blocks around that. It's not on a calendar, but it sort of is a calendar. Sure. Um, which I, I'm, it works for me. I could see there's a value to having it on a calendar, particularly if you can integrate it with focus mode. Let's say you can automatically, uh, block out everything that you want to do. Um, you know, for me, in order to use focus mode, I'd actually have to put notifications on and then have it take them off again, which seems a little counterintuitive because most things I don't have notifications on, but I could see that if you have a shared calendar, I could see making that block schedule digital, but I find I'm a little more fluid, a little quicker on paper and it just works for me. And something that, that I'm, I'm not sure. I think depending on your use case and in your organization, particularly there would be uses for making that digital rather than analog for me, it's a good time to play with my pens. So I kind of enjoyed doing that. It's a weekly routine for me kind of sitting down. I would say I do it on a Sunday. I always aim to do it on a Sunday, but the reality is it's first thing Monday morning, I sit down and sort of review my week and plan out my week and, uh, put, put the big blocks in, you know, as, uh, what is it? Stephen Covey said, place the big blocks first and then the little stuff around it. And that's kind of what I try to do with, with my analog version of my digital calendar, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand. I mean, I, I think I do uh, something very similar, just uh, much simpler because there's, there's less for me to consider. You know, I'm, I'm working part-time. There are few big blocks uh, in my world. Um, and you know, the, the regular ones are already blocked onto the calendar electronically. And I, I guess I have them in my head. So, you know, I don't schedule anything for uh, Thursday evening because I know I'm going to be, be talking with you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, I just sit down and go, yeah, that'll be Wednesday. That'll be Tuesday. And that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's a simple, simplified version. Work around those half days of golf. Yes. It's tough. Or full days, depending what time the tee off is. <laughs> well, this time of year, we try and get out very, very early, Justin, because it's, it's warm. You and the dogs, nobody likes to go out uh, during the midday. Yeah. Do you have notifications turned on? Uh, well, curiously, I was going to say to you, uh, focus mode is broken at the moment. Uh, I don't know why, um, but I was... Beta season. Yeah, I was recording um, uh, Writer Interrupted earlier, and uh, my computer started ringing. <laughs> somebody, somebody called me on signal, even though I had my focus, uh, my podcasting focus switched on. So I don't quite know how that worked, but, um, no, I have very few notifications. Um, certainly no sounds on my computer. Um, I have one or two that sort of banner things that come up, um, you know, temporary ones. Uh, but yeah, not, not really very many. No, I, I don't like my computer to bleep at me and I don't really like it to disturb me. Uh, we are kindred beings and that, uh, I do have notifications for things on the calendar, uh, mostly because of family stuff. And if I miss them, uh, my wife 
would make my life not worth living. So mm-hmm. I, I do, I do that, um, for notifications, but they are just pop-ups. They're not things that beep at me because yeah. like Stu, uh, beepy things, uh, Stu called me on signal this morning. Uh, we record and connect via this, this app called signal. And I always, how do I say this? Um, hate the fact that it rings everywhere. It rings mm-hmm. my phone. It rings my iPad. It rings both my computers at the same time. And it, it's like a big panic thing when my, when my devices make noise, I get all confused and all flustered trying to, where's the button to stop it ringing? <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. Once you get used to not having things that beep at you, um, realizing, I don't know if you're in a corporate environment, if you can stop things beeping at you or popping up, but if you can, please do. Cause, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, so you don't use any scheduled meeting type things at all. You haven't tried any proposal things. Does busy Cal have any options for that? Uh, I don't know. I imagine it would because it's a very powerful app. So I imagine it probably has, but no, I, I haven't looked at it at all. Um, the, the only sort of colleague that I have is Claire and she, uh, generally will send me a, an email or a WhatsApp <laughs> saying, uh, should we talk? Um, and then we talk on FaceTime. We don't we don't uh, put it in the calendars. And then with you know clients and stuff, it tends to be set up through emails. And things. Mm-hmm. All right. So now can we talk about the elephant in the room, the task manager slash use of this, the logs? Ah, yeah, the logs. Yeah, well, I I, I kind of left that for last because you know I, my my heart needed a moment to uh, regain its normal heartbeat. Still using tasks. How do, how do you do this really? Because if you miss something as a calendar, for example, let's say you're out at the golf course and something you put in six months ago pops up and then it disappears. How do you track that again and translate that into a to-do item? Because that's always my concern with a calendar. A calendar is fleeting. It's a moment in time, but if you pass that moment in time, it's in the history. And unlike your logs, I would never go looking for it again. So I'm curious how you use it and, and how that works for you. Well, in terms of tasks, like, uh, those recurring things like, uh, insurance or anything like that, uh, it's that weekly review. When I look at the calendar and go, okay, so what's on for the week? Oh, oh I've got to renew the insurance mm. and the chances are I'll probably do it in advance. Um, or actually most of the time, because most of my insurance is with, um, Western European companies, they automatically renew unless I try and stop them, um, which is fine. That's great. It's just, just in Cyprus, it's a bit different. Um, so that's where I will catch it there. The log ones are really just a case of, didn't I change the smoke alarms? When did I change the smoke alarms? Oh, smoke alarms. I'll just search smoke alarms. Oh, I changed them in April. Okay. I don't need to go and look at them again. Um, it's, it's automatically sort of post-dated, if you like. So it's always in the past. It's not going to pop up and interfere with my my view of the week. Uh, it's only if I'm searching for something. That's why I use it. And it was uh, it was Merlin Mann on Rec Diffs who was talking about it. I thought, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Uh, because I'm forever going, when did I do this? When did I do that? For, you know, task tasks, if I'm in, in task manager mode, then, yeah, I use a task manager. Um, I don't use the same one as you do because... 
the one I use, you can kind of dip in and out of. The one you use, you you pretty much need to be committed. I I found, uh, but yeah, we we must be careful not to um, not to steal from another episode because I dare say we're going to cover task managers at one point. We're going to cover that next time, actually. So I was, I was just kind of <laughs> curious. So I'll, I'll the, this this discussion will be continued next week when uh, I I tell Stu how to properly use a task manager. No, for for me though, uh, just in simple things for things like this, I kind of look at that and say, okay, uh, batteries in the smoke detectors. I want to replace those annually. Uh, I just put a recurring task in my task manager with a defer date. So. I'm not even going to see it. It'll come up as bull, almost like a shaded. You can't do anything actionable about this until 11 months from now. And then it'll pop up and say, oh, you can start thinking about this. And eventually a, a year from the date I completed it last time, it will come up as a do item for me. Um, the idea of having to go back and look for stuff. I, again, I could do it, but I always kind of look at it and say, okay, when am I going to check it? And, and just to give you an example, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, the oil life in my car, because uh, I don't use it very often. Then when I do use it, I drive sort of a thousand kilometers in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the first of every month. I want to check it. So I could put that on the calendar. But my problem is the cognitive factor of me sitting downstairs going up, going out to my car, going outside, uh, particularly in the winter when it's cold, uh, turning my car on. It's just more than it would ever be if I put it in for 10 o'clock on a Monday, you know, once a month. Sure. Uh, having that flexibility to do that at a time that works well for me seems to work for me. But uh, yeah, I've, I remember, and I guess part of it is the Outlook Task Manager part that was in the calendars you could put things in the calendars and it will pop up mm-hmm. and i always remember a younger guy that worked for me and walking past his monitor in a jobby job with the microsoft office uh, suite and you, you remember how they used to come up and they kind of were like overlapping little reminders that you had to do this um he must have had 30 or 40 things in there from Outlook popping up saying, hey, you need to do this. And I kind of looked at that and swore that never again would I use a calendar as a task manager that, do you want to do this? So that's just my part. Yeah. All right, Stu, what takeaways have you got for calendars? Uh, Well, I mean, ignore Justin, obviously, uh, and set yourself up a log calendar. If, like me, uh, you do things that are not desperately urgent, have to be done at a certain time, but you want to begin to understand frequency, then just recording things that have happened can be really useful. Mm. All right, you, Justin, what's the proper, what's the proper thing to take away? All right. My takeaway, do not, do, 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 do (laughs) not, do not use a calendar as a task manager. Choose the tool that's best for you. Uh, But unless you can schedule everything exactly in the future as a hard date, I always feel that you're going to miss something. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder tool, but it's not something you can rely on without at least a review process. Sure. Get the right app for what you're, what you're trying to do. That's my thought. Yeah. I have to say that BusyCal, I'm, I'm just looking at it now. Um, BusyCal tries to import your reminders from your Apple reminders. Ooh. So it try it wants to show those on the, uh, on the calendar. Now, I mean, I've got, 
I used reminders once about six years ago, I think. And um, I've got cars, dogs, inbox, insurance. <laughs> Look at that. But no actual reminders in it. Um, but I just noticed that they're showing on my calendar list, uh, even though there's, they don't actually show anything. So, yeah, it's trying to be all things to all people, I think, as you can. Yeah, and, and that's always the challenge for me is what you want as your as your tool of choice. So pick the one that's right for you. Uh, if you if you if it works for you, you know, use Stu's uh, records in there. Uh, that always is backwards looking. Mm-hmm. So unless you remember to go look for it, I think you're going to miss it. But, you know, that's why uh, Task Manager, we're going to talk about those, I think, next time. All right, Stu, and where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me mostly at stuartlennon.com or at neurosnotes.co.uk, or you can find me on Twitter at Stu Lennon. Or if you really want to see pictures of the dogs, then stuartlennon.587 on Instagram. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, I was going to say, you could also find you in my email this morning, because uh, just as Stu called me and disturbed me on Signal, I was halfway through the latest installment of Sean, his novel that he's writing. So um, if you if you haven't subscribed to Stu's blog, please do, because it's a great read. Um, you can find me at justintwyford.com is probably the easiest place that has links to everything else that I do. You can yell at me on Twitter if you don't like anything that I say, which is uh, probably most people. Uh, Twitter at JJ Twyford. Uh, I'm on Instagram at JJ.Twyford because it's impossible to get all your things to line up. Uh, If you want to find more about us and links to our websites and to Nero's Notes where you can buy some beautiful stationery and maybe even a pen or two that writes and does digital stuff, in the future, uh, you can find both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. You can email us at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Really appreciate that. If anybody is looking for pens and you live in Europe, um, you can get a hold of Stu via there. Please take a moment, if you don't mind, to like and review us. Positive reviews. Say nice things about us on your podcast catcher of choice, because we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues to help us grow. Our next topic, as we talked about before, is managing tasks. Uh, Stu, put a note in for this. Bring snacks. This might be a long one. (laughs) (laughs) He knows me too well. Uh, It's a passionate (laughs) topic. All right. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.